the chance if you lived as a, in temporary accommodation as a child that you'll be homeless as an adult is like virtually causal. Hi, I'm Laura Nielsen and welcome to Hope in the Deep End. We've put together this podcast to inspire us all to keep working in areas of deprivation and poverty. We're sharing best practice, stories, outcomes and some interesting thoughts and ideas. So whether you're working in primary care, secondary care, the charity sector or any of the other myriad of roles, please listen and help us to keep each other inspired. Welcome to the Hope in the Deep End podcast. Um, This week we are talking to Alex Bax, who leads the Pathway Inclusion Health team. And um, Alex and I go back a long way and we both have been interested in homelessness for a while. And today we're going to explore some themes of homelessness, some of the ideology that may be in our society. And we hope that along the way we inspire you to um, think differently and be compassionate. So um, you came into homelessness through kind of local government routes really in a kind of slightly meandering way which a lot of us come into the work of homelessness through quite strange routes and then you land in pathways so what is the aim of the pathway team or what was the aim at the beginning and has that changed i don't think it has changed so the aim is kind of twofold aims i suppose so first of all, to transform health and care quality for people experiencing homelessness and other groups experiencing kind of multiple exclusion, um, brackets within the NHS and brackets of a complete commitment from foundation to free universal taxpayer funded healthcare as being the best way to respond, to, to drive more resources to people who need the most. Yeah. And the, and the second parallel objective was to Play the fullest, make the fullest possible contribution while doing that, improving care quality and care outcomes for people, also to changing the wider circumstances for people, which have led them ultimately to the street. So, so that upstream focus always in our minds, while while from the beginning having a, a kind of a very laser-like focus on care quality, I suppose, at the front, at the sharp end, and that sharp end initially being patients admitted to the street into the hospital okay so the the other group of people that that i see coming out of homelessness which you must see as well is people who come out of statutory services so uh people come out of prison care leavers coming out the armed forces um asylum seekers when they get leave to remain seem to just end up in this awful place with no housing what's your kind of feelings on that i just get endlessly frustrated that we seem to be building these systems that perpetuate this when it's quite predictable so yes i think the kind of the care leavers the people leaving institutional settings are very a very significant group always within the homeless population and they are precisely created by the structures the the, the lack of adequate structures in our society to to catch people as they fall i quite i've been thinking recently i quite like the phrase safety netting, but that we should have a society which which supports people appropriate to their needs, particularly when they're vulnerable. And we know these are vulnerable moments. We know, for example, late adolescence is a, is a difficult time and, and kind of how blindingly obvious to think that care leavers without, by definition, without the familial support around them that others might have, are going to need a little bit of extra help. And you would have thought it's not 
Indeed. And that's what I was saying. We we see lots of pilot investment into projects. And what's depressing about them in a way is that usually if you put some money into some good people to do something, it works. It actually doesn't. It almost doesn't really matter what they do, as long as you've got some people with the right attitude and the right kind of compassion, if you like, and commitment that you get a benefit. So it's simply about having a sustained focus and, and turning it from a from a problem which you hope is going to go away to to thinking about a system where you're setting up services and structures to support people when they need it rather than turning them off and on again we john Connolly at our conference last year did a really interesting presentation about how many health services and other services tend to pull away from people when they're better quotes but of course we never none of us are better we have fluctuating needs in our lives mm. and sometimes we need a bit of help and if the people you the people who you rely on for support in a crisis suddenly walk away from you when they say you're now over my threshold i can't help you anymore <laughs> it puts you right the risk the risks are still within you and still around you in the society and you're you're at risk of of falling back down again of course you are and i think i think that's really interesting so we, we, there's lots of conversation in there about ending homelessness and um and I think actually the call to kind of think really strategically and upstream and not upstream as in uh but upstream in you know that universalism and also the way our systems run so you were telling me earlier that um you know prison doubles your chance of becoming homeless because when you come out of prison often you're given a very small amount of money and nowhere to stay and you kind of have to get yourself sorted and meet a probation officer um and just in itself that is designed to perpetuate homelessness isn't it it might not be the people's intention but our system is perpetuating it and then if you talk to go back to your young person with mental health problems you know that is actually it shows doesn't it the importance of cam services of universal provision you know of primary care having some kind of long-term relationship with people rather than just you know on an app or um, yeah. you know that kind of way so it's it's interesting isn't it how key relationship is in all this as well and then and again that's back to the, the lovely big meta review that nigel and co did ending up in the lancet finding that at the heart of 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 good care for the groups of people who end up in homelessness particularly in chronic homelessness uh, one of the phrases which just sticks in my mind is a trusting relationship with someone who cares being at the heart of what helps people again you kind of think do we have to do some research to prove this it's kind of <laughs> is this it sounds it sounds like a blindingly obvious finding doesn't it really well and it and it is isn't it but we live in a world where if there isn't a paper that proves it it yeah. doesn't exist yeah. and that 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 i find uh, personally endless, endlessly frustrating that there's no there's very little room for just common sense now if you haven't got a, a research paper to prove it um I think it I think it's really fascinating I think it's I think I think what we do as a society and how we think first of all perpetuates problems and then makes them more likely for the next generation we were we've doing a piece of work looking at um children living in temporary accommodation and the chance if you lived as a, in temporary accommodation as a child that you'll be homeless as an adult is like virtually causal and yet we don't seem to be bothered about yeah. venting that trauma and that uncertainty in in children's lives so yeah. 
it's it's kind of there, isn't it? It's it's the, we we kind yeah. of know why this but, is happening. But, and we know that both, but we also know that, so we can see that at that individual level, like that multiple bereavement in a child, the things which we know are going to be really shit for somebody. We know those things. We know that being in care is terribly difficult, it's a difficult place to, to live your childhood, isn't it? And you could imagine making those care settings much, much nicer. But even so, having lost those early attachment figures are going to leave you with some challenges so yeah. that's and we know we know all of that but we also know at the structural level we know that poverty that that a benefit system so uk benefits compared to europe are catastrophically low we have the poorest poor people they begin to say some of the poorest poor people in western europe possibly in the whole of europe now live in the uk despite us being on average a rich country and we seem to f- forgotten that so so for me a, a big part of this is also that gross 40-year turn away from having a proper social security system i think in germany if you lose your job for the first six months you get 90 percent of your salary then it goes down to 70 percent of your salary so you're not stigmatized you're not you're not immediately thinking oh my goodness failure etc so you have a decent support for people and when you support people decently, which in, in itself is a marker of respect in the for those people, it turns out their own abilities to to engage in life are also much enhanced. And we know that's we really know, fascinating. We, we know this. Yeah, that that's really fascinating. So you think, particularly as work changes so much, um, you know, we're all at risk, aren't we, of losing our jobs? Um there's very few people who know that they're completely like stable that that's well gone isn't it I think definitely my generation and the younger generation and so but if you knew that if you lost your job then you had this window to breathe again and and go again that that is so different from being shoved onto universal credit and not being paid for five weeks and um, going into rent arrears straight away and not being able to pay a gas bill and going onto prepayment meter and you can see how quickly as a society we take people into poverty that's then really really yeah. difficult to get out of um it's just staggering and i think i think there's also something which which we also do as a society which is also deeply insidious is that is the discourse of what's the most recent incarnations of it kind of shrivers and shirkers the whole discourse that yeah. that because as a society we we put markers of shame on the, the whole welfare state in a way was a response to the shame of the workhouse you could say and it was an, an effort to say we we realize that is wrong that degree of social shaming of having of being in need was known we knew this in the 20s and 30s that's why in 1945 beverage we changed it to stop stigmatizing people because they're a bit they need a bit of help, but you, but the last forty years, Thatcher. Since then, we've been right back in there with a mm. with a press narrative, which frames that in people's minds of themselves. Oh my God, I must. Be, I'm on the dole. I must be a failure. Which, if you go to countries with very well financed social safety nets, that's not what people think of themselves. I've lost my job. Everybody loses their job sometimes. Oh, I'll take a couple of months in the garden and get a new job. It's not. And the costs are terrible, aren't they? Because yeah. what's what's interesting is that is that if you prevent trauma and you prevent 
insidious poverty, then the the, the costs overall are are less, which we just cannot get our heads around um, systematically. Yeah. I also think, I, I think that kind of narrative that everyone will lose their job is really helpful. And that's definitely not one that, that we hear, is it? Or everyone has, everyone in life, life is going to be bumpy. You know, we are going to have bereavements. We are going to have relationship breakdowns. Most of us will at some point will have a mental health problem. Uh, most of us at some point will have a physical illness in our working life. And um, most of us will have things that are completely out of our control. Um, and yet somehow our narrative is that if that happens yeah. to you, then you've dropped the balls, haven't you? You, <laughs> you know, um, we were talking earlier about our, our it's kids. Your fault. And, so, and almost immediately must be your fault. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking earlier about well, our kids and, um, you know, I've got teenage kids at the moment and, you know, there there is an unpredictability in them that are, that then does have a knock on to you. And um, and even as something as simple as that um, can be enough, can't it, to, to yeah. swing people and swing relationships into swing situations. I was really hopeful in COVID, sounds a bit bonkers this, but I was really hopeful in COVID that we would start to see um, like key workers as key workers. And that's not, that's not because I was a key worker because mm. it was, but you know, your, your story of someone, the, 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 the dustbin man and the people who work at the supermarkets and the Amazon drivers and all that kind of stuff are completely key in our society. And I genuinely know I could not do a day on the bins I'm not physically strong enough. Mm, I yeah. um, get cold. I would find it really miserable. I don't like, uh, you know, I I don't think I could even walk that far, if I'm honest. You know, when you see them walking behind the lorry and you're trying to overtake them. Yeah. And yet that is, you know, without somebody doing that job, you know, our life starts to crumble, doesn't it, around us? And so how we see people is really interesting, isn't it? Really interesting. That's an interesting challenge. So we're going to try. I think there's a there's a there's there's a, there's a narrative there. I was just thinking there's an again one there's this word dependence which has become again in the right dependency cultures people depending and it's so so strange that they've managed to say that depending on somebody else is a bad has become characterised as being a bad thing because actually, as you've just said, we all depend being a social animal. We depend on each other. Humans but, die if they're alone. But I find it really fascinating that it's um, that it is from politicians often and business leaders sometimes who talk about it. But then you know they can't get anything through the House of Commons unless they collectively work together. They can't hold yeah, a cabinet yeah. together if they kind of keep sticking the knives in each other. Um, you know you can't run a business unless people depend on each other. So so in one way we really foster dependency and interdependency and another level we shame it and actually um it is we we are we can no very few people can function as an island and be well you know yeah. it's a very unusual yeah. life actually and most of us are connected in families or communities or um networks of friends or work colleagues or um just people down the pub <laughs> you know or cafe or something and that it is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Really important. I think um, I, I think the time that I found it. life the most difficult was when I had my first kid. And um, obviously it was a bit of a shock, but also I was it was the time I was the most isolated, I think. And um Yeah. And and it was just really interesting. You know, I've got lots of resources, you know, both kind of in me and and but actually that time was just really difficult and it was because the social one of the reasons was when the social connection shifted so quickly so it's really interesting yeah. isn't it well, 
and I think that loneliness, I mean, I, I can't remember the date, but something like loneliness in old age is equivalent to smoking 20 pence and hedges a day, isn't it, in terms of life yeah, expectancy? Yeah. yeah. And so yet, we, we know that how we feel affects how we are. And it's amazing, isn't it? I went to see somebody the other week who, um, who's, who sent me a message afterwards just saying that they were very, very lonely. And it was somebody who I would never have thought was lonely. Like, you know, they were mm-hmm. just had all the kind of resources that you think of life would need and more. And yet they sent me this message saying they were lonely. And I was like, wow, this is it's incredible, isn't it? We yeah. um, one of the things we want to do in this podcast is is not depress everyone. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so some of the work that Pathways done has been really um, has shown that change is possible. So I just want to finish off by exploring if you're working maybe in an area allied to homelessness. So maybe you're working in like healthcare generally or social work generally, or you're just somebody who's interested. Can you, can we talk about some things that change is possible? You said earlier that almost every pilot where you give compassionate people, some resources works. (laughs) So that means that actually there's probably quite a lot of options for us. So if you're in a hospital setting, how can we make homelessness better? If we're in primary care, how do we respond? Any of those tips? So I think it's right. I mean, there's something, again, as a charity, sometimes we've found our role in a way to be trying to create some space around people to protect them, to do what, the, to do sometimes the, the fairly obvious. Sometimes there's a little bit of extra innovational. And again, it's back to that dependency. If you bring together groups of people, particularly sometimes groups of well-trained, expert, experienced people, you get really good things to happen because people are amazing and and they bounce off each other so so trying to create a bit of space and time for people to think i think is one of the things one of our simple successes which also has the effect of keeping people who perhaps are also working in a frontline setting that can help that that headspace to think to 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 keep your your intrinsic motivation Mm -hmm. going is 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 a little bit magical, I think. Somehow, um, I was remember again back very at the beginning with Nigel Hewitt and Trudy, and we we hadn't really formed as me sitting in a tiny, actually sitting mainly in the British Library with a laptop. There's worse but, places to sit, Alex. Um, <laughs> and and going to meet Nigel, who just come off kind of another morning in the hospital, trying to understand why everybody hated the homeless patients and trying to work on some of the relationships. Um, I remember him saying to me him saying to me it's so helpful Alex to know that you're over here thinking about what me and Trudy are doing even though I haven't spoken to you for a week the fact that somebody else's mind is out there thinking about our issues is actually giving me a bit more oomph and desire to proceed and I feel a little bit more protected and I've got I've got someone to talk to Mm. and when I'm having a really bad day I know that I've got someone to talk to who's who's that bit removed i think as actually as pathway we're doing quite a lot of work we've just done a big supported and a lovely phd clinical psychologist student looking at trauma and vicarious trauma in, in staff but one of the parallel findings there is, is that is that techniques like reflective practice those team-based relationship consolidating and time for reflecting and processing in an in an organized structured way 
is protective and is really helpful for people across the range of dimensions in terms of their work life and their, and their their life as people. So I think there's some, and again, we'll know that in a way, but back to the research question, it's becoming clear that that is the case. Yeah. And that if we, if we do think of good ways to protect our own people, if you like, then they're also able to go on doing the tough jobs people do more and, and sometimes to go further and push boundaries. I think, um, so what you said there is allowing people space to reflect and think and process their weird, work environment is is really important. And I think, I, you yeah. know, we would totally agree with that. The other things, just so we can point people to some resources if they want to, is that if you're interested in homeless healthcare at all, then um, you're always welcome to join the Inclusion Health Network. Um, so if you go to the Pathways website, um, you've got a Pathways conference, yeah. haven't you, in March that people can still book onto. Um, the other things that um, the Pathways team are really good at. Absolutely. Is, and also available online. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the other thing that the Pathways team is really good at is they are brilliant at lived experience. Um getting people with lived experiences not just views across and not just heard but really shaping how things develop so um if you're interested in that we might do another episode on lived experience at some point because it's it's something that um a lot of us struggle with we we know we should be better at it but but we struggle with it and the final thing um to say is that if you are working in a hospital and you know that you've got a, an issue with the outcomes of your patients who are homeless then the pathways team have developed um ways of working with patients in hospitals and giving wraparound healthcare um in hospitals so it's really pragmatic it, it can be as simple things as like making sure that there's a sensible detox protocol that junior doctors can write up um it can be as simple as making sure that um patients have access to tv cards they've got a way of doing ward rounds um, with 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 a GP supporting so you get much better health outcomes so it, it's it's a compassionate response to complicated medicine to generalism um, and it's got some amazing outcomes so if you're in a hospital ICB or if you're in a hospital trust at the moment and you're looking at your bounce back data we know that people who are homeless are some of the most frequent bounce back attenders and they have the poorest outcomes in healthcare so um uh yeah, the pathways team are always up for new partnerships um i'm i'm, I'm selling a product here alex for you um <laughs> and um <laughs> and, but we'd you. love to we'd love to see good practice spread um and that that is one way for it and the other thing we're encouraging people to do is if you're working in primary care is um be really proactive about people who are in difficult circumstances. So um, we'll say, because we're going to say it quite a lot, if you are registering patients at your practice, they don't need an address, they don't need um, a passport to register. If they don't have an address, you can use your practice address. Um, instead, um, we you know, open up our staff shower for people to use. They generally don't actually use it very often. So when we started it, our staff were really concerned that you know there'd be somebody there every day. But actually, people... It's just sometimes actually on a bad day before other resources come in. Um, be really aware of the impact of trauma. And we'll talk about this another time. But I think um, Alex's plea for us all to be kind of compassionate humans when we meet other humans um, in whatever circumstances we're in is, is, is one that we can try and do, can't we? No, I think you've just, you've just nailed it, Laura. I mean, really, I mean, all of those things yeah. are, are, incredibly helpful that that but the basic way of how people carry themselves i think is such an important yeah. thing and it's 
it takes a bit of doing, I think, but we've all got that capacity within us, I, th- I certainly think. Yeah. And, and the other thing to say is that you can get it wrong and that's fine. So, you know, as I, as I work in medicine, those times when I've absolutely nailed an interaction with a complicated patient and those times where I think, oh, I know what I'm doing and, and it still goes not quite right. And there's times, you know, there's a, there's a gentleman sat outside my local co-op at the moment who's street homeless. And, you know, I, even as people who work in this field, you, you know, the, the kind of compassion and intellectualism of, you know, do I buy him another sandwich and does he want a sandwich and can I give him money? That's not very helpful. And I'll talk to him, but then is that helpful? And all that kind of stuff is how we all feel. Um, and the thing is not to not to shut down to that, to kind of sit in it. And some days, you know, I've got time to sit with people and talk to them and ask their name and stuff. And other days, frankly, I'm just trying to get some dog biscuits and get my kids off to school yeah. and, and and I haven't got capacity to do it. And um, and so, you know, all of this we all sit in. But the, the biggest thing is to keep our eyes open, keep curious and keep compassionate. We hope that um, we hope that this has given you food for thought. It's definitely made me think. Um, Alex is always fascinating to talk to um, and I'm sure we'll return again to uh, talk health, talk politics and um, talk hope. Thank you so much. <laughs>